Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. <laughs> the Warriors, they beat the Boston Celtics, 123-107. And they are the first team, the Warriors are, in the Western Conference who have beaten the Celtics, who have been arguably the best team in the NBA all season long. They just smacked the Phoenix Suns a couple nights ago. And, uh, you know, after the Jazz loss, there was a lot of angst and a lot of concern. And it's all reasonable because the Warriors have been so up and down. You know, you don't want to overreact to one game. Uh, That Jazz game was just a a tough, bitter pill to swallow. And we've talked about how the Warriors' schedule coming up is really, really rough. And it was going to be very, very telling. It's just getting started, right? They hit the road for some tough games. But... Uh, the question, you know, for me was like, what Warriors team are we going to see? And also, you know, I expected them to rise up to the challenge, right? Like this stretch of games is going to be very telling, not just for the win-loss records, but what you actually see from the team, how they actually compete, how they rise up to particular challenges, especially now that they're going through the roughest part of the season so far there's going to be rougher ones but this is definitely just the toughest the celtics the bucks on the road uh the sixers on the road uh the nets on the road etc etc and this was so damn satisfying to watch you know what i mean uh the celtics came in and everybody expected the Warriors to get blown out. I didn't necessarily think that they would get blown out, but it was always going to be on the table uh, because the Warriors have been so up and down and they had dropped a couple stinkers. They dropped one against the Pacers uh, last weekend at home when they just didn't really show up. And then uh, they, they coughed up the game against the jazz, but Steph and Draymond, they hadn't played since that Pacers game and they had played three games in four nights. So having that extra rest and really focusing and then also uh, they all went to the Sports Illustrated Athlete of the Year award ceremony, which Steph got. So maybe that was kind of fun for them. But bottom line is like uh, this was the Warriors best performance of the season. And hopefully, I mean, you you never know, It, it might trigger them. And it might remind everybody like how they need to play, who they are, and all that kind of stuff. Because this was obviously the team they faced in the finals. And uh, they all, all across the board, stepped up their games. The intensity was there. And obviously, it felt like a playoff game. And, you know, there's there's so many dudes who stepped up. And I think that uh, in terms of where they go from here... I think that they can feed off of this and they need to string a few more of these games together. This game could be a turning point. You know, we'll see. We'll see. They get the Bucks, I believe, on Tuesday. Uh, but, you know, some great performances. First off, Clay Thompson, 36 minutes, 14 for 26, four for 11 from three, uh, five boards, two assists, two steals, one block, 34 points plus nine. Clay was amazing. You know, he simply was, he wasn't hunting his shot, but he was aggressive. He was taking his shots in the first quarter even, and 
you know, like once he started hitting them, you could tell like this was, you know, game six clay. He was getting into that mode. You know, they needed that effort from him, especially without Andrew Wiggins and especially with Jordan Poole not having the greatest game overall, not the greatest shooting game. Poole was only five for 16 from the floor, one for nine, although he, he hit nine out of 10 free throws, which was big and he had 20 points. But, you know, uh, Clay rising up to the moment and not and, and honestly just being in the flow of the offense and then playing good defense. Those are the things that you want to see. And it's good that he can he can meet the moment still. Ever since that Phoenix Suns game, that second one, uh, where Clay was hunting his shot and the Warriors just looked overmatched. He's been looking good. Yes, he's had some down games. Yes, he had some really, really bad gaffes against the Jazz, but he more than made up for it in this game uh, with the way he played and his defense on Jason Tatum and on Jalen Brown. I mean, Brown got his still, but Clay was just, you know, this is what you want to see, honestly, plain and simple. And then uh, Steph, 37 minutes, 12 for 21, 6 for 11 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line. God, that guy should get to the line so much more, I swear. If he got his fair share of calls, I mean, at the very, very least, that's like four to six more free throws a game, right? (laughs) He would be averaging like 35 points a game or something. But uh, he also had six boards, seven assists, plus 20 on the night and 32 points. So Steph, I mean, every time the Warriors needed a big shot, Steph got it because the Warriors, they built up that big lead up to what, like 16 points in the second half. And then, you know, there's some questionable calls. The refs making a little bit close for ABC primetime. And then Steph would come down. He would hit a three. He would hit a two. And that is huge. Like he's your tone setter, right? Like when things are feeling a little, you know, like uncertain, you're feeling a little nervous. That's what someone like Steph can do. (laughs) You're very confident in his ability to get an open shot and just nail it. You know, like that's the security blanket that Steph can bring in a game like this when it's so intense and everybody else is rising up. Steph takes that, you know, to another level. Come on, Looney. (laughs) I always say this season, like he is so much better on uh, his layups, on his shots. You know, like it was always, always like the past couple seasons, you know, like you pick and roll him or like he, he cuts to the basket, you give him the ball, he will kind of stumble and then smoke the layup or something. But he has been really, really good uh, since basically like the second half of last season up until now. And he was very solid, three for four, uh, 15 boards, which is huge against uh, the Celtics, plus 19, seven points. And then Dante DiVincenzo, you know, I've talked about – And this kind of shows, I've talked about how big of a deal it was that he was injured with that bum hamstring in the early part of the season, uh, largely because he was going to be so important in settling that second unit down. You know, the second unit that caused so many problems early on as that veteran presence, as that guy could take pressure off of pool. And, you know, also because he needed those reps with this new team to get comfortable with uh, just playing with these guys, get that chemistry going for uh, the vets to trust him, for him to know where he's supposed to be, to know like guys' tendencies, to know when they're going to cut, when they're going to go back door, all that stuff. And DiVincenzo 
17 minutes, only one for three from the field. He had hit one three-pointer. He was one for two. Eight boards. I've talked about how he's a really, really underrated rebounder, very surprising, and he knows to dive to the basket. It's almost like he, you know, Steph is a really good rebounder because he looks for the rebounds and he, as a guard, can see where the ball is coming from and he gets himself in the right spot. And he's really, really smart too. People get on Clay for not having that many rebounds, but the thing is, when the shot goes up, Clay is often on the perimeter. And he's often taken off on the break or getting ready to take off on the break. So he's not necessarily always underneath the basket. It's not like Clay's always in the best position throughout his career to crash the boards. That's more of like Steph is kind of there. So it's almost like DiVincenzo does a lot of that stuff. He had eight boards, three assists, uh, three points only, but he was plus 20. And yes, the plus minus stat is uh, an imperfect stat, but plus 20 tied with Steph for best plus minus on the night. And just overall, the eye test combined with that plus 20 tells you that Dante DiVincenzo is getting better and better every game. I've been saying that for the past month or so, month and a half, and I think he'll be critical. And even though he's not Gary Payton the second in terms of pure athleticism, uh, there's the effort's there. He's on ball. He is getting up on guys, point of attack. And I talked about point of attack recently, and um, there's a couple guys who are picking up the pace. It seems like that's something that's being emphasized, and DiVincenzo is one of them. And, of course, also Jonathan Kaminga, who I love talking about. I've talked about him. I talked about him in the last episode a lot. And, again, he just showed you what he's able to do. That loss against the Jazz – we all kind of lament that as like a a wasted game and whatnot. And yes, they should have won that, but just all these little games where Kaminga shows how good he can be and how he himself, you know, gets those reps and how he shows Kerr and the coaches and his teammates, how much they can trust him, how much he's grown helps in games like that. Like that jazz game helped in this game because there were a couple of mistakes he made, but Kerr trusted him and the team trusted him. Kaminga played 21 minutes, six for nine from the field, one of two from three, uh, five boards, three assists, 14 points. And he, as I said, is another one of those point of attack defensive dudes all the way to his first real minutes last season. We would see him able to stay with guys who were athletic in his size, and then also smaller dudes who were supposedly uh, quicker than him. But as last season went on, he started getting called for more fouls. And that's natural. That's part of the process, especially as a young rookie. And now he is stepping up to that challenge even more of being a point of attack defensive stopper type. I mean, his lateral quickness is pretty, pretty good. If you watch him out there, he's pretty, pretty quick and he can recover. Uh, you know, like like in football, like a defensive back, the the hip swivel, like the quick hip turn and catching up to your guy. And he bugs Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had a good game, like I said, but Tatum very much so, like especially in the first half, you could see Kaminga rising up to the challenge of guarding these two dudes. And it's like, I love it because I've talked about Kaminga's confidence and his cockiness and his he always seems to enjoy those matchups against dudes who are 
like him, similar to him, guys who are either uh, at his level or uh, guys who are where he wants to be. And you look at Jalen Brown, you look at Jason Tatum, and they're in the same category of like these tall, super athletic wings. And uh, obviously Kaminga isn't there yet, but on the defensive end, the effort is impressive. And without Andrew Wiggins, he did, and it wasn't just Jonathan Kaminga, of course, but like he did a very, very, very uh, good job of bugging Tatum and helped Tatum have a bad night. And then that dunk, that dunk on Tatum's head, uh, I mean, that was that was a thing of beauty, to be honest. Kaminga got him in the post uh, one-on-one. Tatum stripped it, and it looked like it was going to go out of bounds. On the replays, you can see it landed right inside, right in bounds inside of the uh, baseline. Kaminga grabbed it and just went straight up. And I said in the last episode, and I've said several times over the last couple of years, Jonathan Kaminga is one of the quickest jumpers I've ever seen. Like he just gets to the rim so quickly, not just because he's six seven, six eight, but because he's so dang explosive, right? A lot of dudes can get up there. You know, even Clay Thompson can get up there, but <laughs> no one gets up there as quick as Kaminga on this Warriors team. And he just threw it down on on Jason Tatum. And, you know, you love to see that. That was uh an eye opener for for me and I'm sure for the rest of the league. And uh, that's it. Like Kamenga is part of this rotation and he, even his mistakes, you know, some of his uh, early mistakes in this game, I mean, they were all in the vein of trying to make the right play, trying to do the right thing. So, you know, like that's the trust that he's earned with Kerr. Like you're doing the right thing. You're trying to make the right play and you mess up, but you just keep it going. So uh, I, I will take that any day. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Like, will James Wiseman actually be on this Warriors team by the end of the season? I hope so. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The app is super easy to use. Just pop it open, do what you got to do, and you're good to go. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This was a a good game. Again, like it was so much fun to watch and uh, uh, it's good to know. I mean, it feels right. Like it feels like the Warriors still are in the Celtics heads. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, after all, you know, my Warriors fandom of every other team <laughs> being in the Warriors heads growing up. And uh, it's, it's nice to see the Warriors kind of flex and everything. And, you know, it's just one game and I'll admit I haven't watched the Celtics play outside of, you know, a couple windows or, or highlights and whatnot. But Jason Tatum is a very, very good player. And I said this before the finals last year, and I said it 
during the finals and when the Warriors beat them in the finals. As good as Jason Tatum is, as talented as he is, he still hasn't proven to me that he is that guy. Like he could not make anything against the Warriors. And he he smoked so many layups, especially in the second half. And, you know, I saw somebody tweet, some uh, uh, journalist, sports NBA journalist, I think from Denver tweet about like, oh, you could feel this being like one of those Tatum games where he's just starting to get hot. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I, I just didn't feel like he was, I, I didn't feel it from him at all. And you could see like they were focusing on him and he just wasn't hitting anything. You know, he, he looked hesitant. He looked like he did in the NBA finals where he was not effective. And that definitely messed with his head and messed with his game. And the fact that Wiggins wasn't there and that you could throw Kaminga on him, it's Tatum can be bothered plain and simple, you know? The Warriors maybe are a bad matchup, maybe it's psychological, but whatever he does against other teams, like he has not been able to do consistently against Golden State. Uh, he played 40 minutes, only six for 21, two for nine from three, and seven boards, minus 13, 18 points. You know, that's not what the Celtics need in a game like this. And, you know, <laughs> from my perspective as a Warriors fan, you love to see it. So I will 100% take that and uh you know he doesn't seem to have that killer instinct that ability to just take over as much as the media wants to say it as much as celtics fans want to say it he doesn't seem to have that extra gear so far where it's like oh i'm taking over this game and i'm gonna do it jalen brown seems to have it more maybe that's because jalen brown seems more unfazed and more steady and um you know, but that's just my opinion, you know, like that's just what I've seen so far. Maybe Jason Tatum looks lights out in every other game except against the Warriors. But right now, to me, that's the only one that matters. That's the only one that matters because that's this game and that's the team that beat him in the finals. That just shut him down. Tatum, you know, when I see him play against the Warriors, he still seems like, you know, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but he just seems like uh, a kid. You know, he seems like a kid who can't get past like the 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 older I won't say brother but like you know the older guys on the pickup court you know like he can show out against other teams other players but like once these guys show up the old heads show up on the court he he kind of falters he kind of crumbles you know I just don't see it so far I just don't see it and again Jason Tatum is probably what like 24 25 years old so he has years ahead of him. But just right now, it's like this should serve for the Celtics as like a check yourselves moment, right? Like they need to understand that they are playing really well. They got that same NBA finals bump that the Phoenix Suns had last season. It's it's actually like exactly like the Phoenix Suns. They lost in the finals. They're young and then they're feeling themselves and they're doing really well in the regular season. But can they bring it when it really matters? And this should remind them that, you know, they haven't proven anything yet. And they've shown that they can improve during a season just like they did last year. But, uh, and maybe they will. But right now, this was a really, really important game. People were telling me that they expected the Warriors to get blown out by 40. And hey, there's evidence so far this season that it could have happened. But we know that the Warriors can be this good, right? We know that there's flaws. We know that the sharpening of the tools 
needs to happen. And it's these kinds of games where those tools get sharpened. You know, that's where Dante DiVincenzo steps up in the bright lights. That's where Kaminga continues to improve. Yeah, that's where Clay Thompson shows up and he shows the uh, primetime national ABC world that he is back, that he is who he can be. You know what I mean? So, you know, again, there will be up and downs and there will be some very, very tough matchups, but this is a positive, you know, to get Milwaukee on Tuesday, which is great because I mean, that's, that's Sunday and Monday where the Warriors can travel and rest. They get the back-to-back against the Pacers. So you might see some rest on on that one. And then they get Philly on Friday. And then a couple days, the Raptors Sunday the 18th. Then Tuesday the 20th, they get the Knicks. And then a back-to-back at Brooklyn. So you might get some rest then. And then a few days before they get the Memphis Grizzlies on Christmas Day. So... Uh, this was a great way to start off this stretch against some really, really good teams, a lot of playoff teams, a lot of contenders in theory in that crowd. This is what they needed to launch themselves, right? They need this in their recent memory to be like, yo, we could do this. This is this is who we are. This is who we can be. Uh, let's go to this. We know the kind of effort that we need to bring against uh, the quote unquote best team in the league record wise right now. So now the Warriors are number 10. In plan. They were number 11 before the games tonight. And <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, this is a positive and we'll take it. And this is a reminder, no matter how bad it gets on the road, that the Warriors can still access this. So if they have a bad run, yes, it'll be telling. And no, it's not going to be just, oh, it's all good. But but let's not panic yet. You know what I mean? Let's kind of see how it goes and see where they can bring it. They didn't have Andrew Wiggins in this one. I'm not exactly sure when he's coming back. Hopefully it's soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, imagine, man, imagine this game with Wiggins out there, you know, imagine Wiggins and Kaminga against Tatum and Brown defensively. And then you throw Steph Clay pool offensively out there. And then imagine that against other teams. All I'm saying is like, you know, don't want to overreact, but bottom line is like, this is a good reminder to all of us and hopefully to the Warriors themselves, uh, where they can get to. And it shows growth because that's what you're looking for in this season. You're not like, okay, we're the best team in the league right now. Who cares? It's really about like, all right, like the vets, they can still get there. The young guys and the new guys like Kaminga and Dante DiVincenzo, they are slowly but surely working their way up. They got several months, you know, to get to where they need to be. And that's all that matters for this Warriors team. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll leave it at that. Great win. You know, so much fun to watch. I might have to watch that one again. Uh, I'll definitely be catching uh, highlights and going on Twitter and watching like some replays of stuff. But uh, that was a whole lot of fun. But the reality is the Warriors are still just one game over 500. So there's a long way to go. But uh, you know that's, that there's some definite signs of real life. Not just like, oh, little life, but like, real, real Warriors life that we've been looking for for a long time this season. So anyway, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino 
or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review, saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.